0: Last time I checked, I was still a kid Childish, childish This all freaks me out a bit
1: Hey, after you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real life friends and podcasting virtuosos Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents. If you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Maron. Subscribe
0: to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh
2: shit. How can I parent when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh shit. Who the hell decided I was
0: Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the new as yet unnamed studio with our new as yet unnicknamed producer, Tony Thaxton. Hello, hello,
1: they're slowly rolling in.
0: They are, I've seen a lot, N- none that I want to hang my hat on yet, though. I
1: feel the same way.
0: Um, <laughs> someone suggested my little Tony. Which I think is funny. It's funny, but I don't know that that is nickname worthy. Yeah. Well, so we're uh, we're still holding out for something better. Uh, Also with us is today's guest, Brian Safi. Hello.
2: Hi. I have to say, I, I mentioned it earlier. The airflow in this studio could not be more perfect. I'm the perfect temperature, and my little Tony makes me LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree that – I don't know if it's a necessarily a, – it might be hard as a nickname, yeah. but it's great.
0: It is good. Yeah. I wish I could remember the name of the person who sent that in. If you're the person who sent that in and you're listening, pat yourself on the back from all of us. So Brian Sofie, one half of one of my favorite podcasts, Throwing Shade, you've come on the podcast a couple times with your co-host, Aaron
2: Gibson. Yes. This is the
0: first one-on-one plus tony that we've done
2: sweating (laughs) so scared it is the first one i'm on aaron has been he's like back and forth to the southwest right now like building a compound in santa is the only way i can describe it but yeah i'm thrilled to be here by myself
0: um okay we have a lot to catch up on first off you and i already did a little bit of talking about this by the door when i let you in however uh the listeners know I totally fucked up the scheduling and I thought that I was having you on last week. And I tweeted a call for questions and then you checked in just to make sure that I knew that you were coming on the following week. Yes. And I did not. And then I sent you four insane emails in a row. Uh, like apologizing and being like, oh my God, first apologizing, then doubling back on my apology. Like, oh my God, I totally just checked. I totally fucked up. But are you, each of them ending with, but is there any way you're available today or tomorrow?
2: And by the way, it was because both of us were emailing each other at the exact yes. same time. So it, everything just came in in the wrong order. Do you right. know what I mean?
0: <laughs> okay. I'm glad you're aware of that because yes. I felt like it might appear to you that you keep saying, I'm so sorry, no, and then I'm like, happened, right, are you available today or tomorrow? <laughs>
2: it happened again today where my email didn't refresh, so I was like, see you at three, and then my email refreshed, and it was right from you, like, see you at three, and I was like, I that is exactly what happened. Like, we were just <laughs> emailing each other at the exact same time. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hive mind. We I share a brain.
0: That's right. Okay. Well, I'm glad you don't think I'm crazy, or at least you're no. too nice to claim that I am.
2: I thought I was an idiot for not like reading the responses quickly enough. I was like, no. oh my God, you re- you're responding to like two emails ago.
0: No. Yeah. Okay but here you are. Um, so anyway, throwing shade, uh, I have said this to you, but I'll say this to them. I don't, even though I host up, even though my life is podcast, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. However, if I'm feeling, glu- if I have some time to kill or if I'm like feeling glum, throwing shade is my go-to because I put it on and you guys are so silly and it just instantly puts me in a better mood. That's so, so nice. I hope you realize this is a rare compliment because like I said, I really don't listen to them, but, but throwing shade is if I'm going to listen, it's going to be throwing shade.
2: I really appreciate that. I, Cause I do feel like that is a thing of like podcasters sometimes don't listen yeah. to a lot of podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts? I don't really. I mean, there's, there's not, I just, some of the news ones. Mm-hmm. So I'll listen to like the daily or, um, like PBS news hours sometimes. And like, I'll do the NPR ones. I'm, I sound like such an asshole, but like, <laughs> I, I just don't really listen to them that often. Right. And I, I should I should. It'd be nice to laugh at something.
0: Yeah. Well, you should listen to Throwing Shade. Do you, yeah, ever, do you ever listen back to your own podcast? Only
2: if I have, just to make sure that something was edited out that I wanted edited right. out, then I will.
0: Has it ever not gotten out? Taken? Been taken uh, out?
2: I think like one time, yes. And it's always something so insignificant for me like it'll just be like oh i got this statistic wrong i know i'm gonna hear about it Mm. so like let's just pull that section right you know i just don't want to sound like it i think last week we were talking about marsha p johnson who was like sort of the leader of the stonewall riots and there was one time in that where i called her martha and i was like (laughs) i'm never gonna hear the end of it we, we just gotta take it out so i like listened through to make sure that it was marsha the whole way through right yeah
0: right yeah um Question. Yes. So, because you guys talk about serious news stories, but not in a serious way. Yeah. But you're so silly, and there's wordplay, and there's characters, and it's just, I just love it so much. Um, have you ever been too depressed to be silly?
2: No, I, I thought that I've been too depressed to be silly because. <laughs> depression is a pretty regular thing for me, but I, 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 there is something about just getting in there and like, I don't know if it's a competitive, I don't know. All I want to think is after all these years, like, can I still make her laugh? Mm -hmm. Like, is there still like something I can get in and usually just ends up being, I mean, the show has gotten crazier. Right. I think because of that, it's just gotten sillier and sillier, but I don't necessarily, I've never been, I also feel like such a like Carney circus performer <laughs> vaudevillian in that like i get in there there's the microphone time to shine <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. like, and then i'll leave and like 10 minutes later be like oh right let's go back to that mm-hmm. horrible thing i was thinking about but do, do you ever feel that way
0: oh yeah i yeah. remember um i did a show shortly after my grandmother died and it was a respite from the grief and then i was like i i felt that way like well the, i'm i'm one of those but but in a like congratulating myself, like I'm truly a consummate performer. Right, totally. Such <laughs> I was a able pro. to just leave my grief at the door, turn it on for the camera. It was a TV thing, turn it on for the camera. Um so yeah, I uh I have always regarded anything performance-y as a a a chance to leave this dark stuff that I'm feeling for like an hour.
2: And it really does. And I think that like that is what a performer should be able to do is there's something that you, this sounds so silly, but if there's something about you go out there, you're about to do something and you are completely present for mm-hmm. it. Yes. You know what I mean? And you're just not thinking about anything else except exactly what you're doing. And that's why I think people probably chase that feeling a lot is because it is bliss, like being right. on stage or being recording or whatever. You're just only focused on what's happening right mm-hmm. now. It's a nice feeling.
0: Now you do the podcast. You guys do a lot of live throwing shade. Mm-hmm. Those are
2: not recorded, Right. You know, and that's out of pure laziness. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of like, we forgot the equipment. Um, we need to get better about it. But yeah, we don't make it a habit of recording the live shows. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should do that more. Do you record yours?
0: I do. Yeah. Yeah. But I um, I always struggle with how to put on the best live version of the podcast because I feel and I think I've I think I've talked about this with you guys Um I feel like what people tune into the podcast for is different than what people... Well, I feel like people tune into a podcast because they want an intimate conversation where people are sharing everything. But is that super entertaining in a live setting? Um, I think some people just want to see a, a recorded version of
2: uh what they listen to each yes. week. Yes.
0: But I also feel like I should put on a show. And I know that well, you guys... Well, because I remember yes. you did
2: too. We both did Dance Numbers yes. last year. I remember you opened your Sketch Fest show yeah, with the dance. and I we opened a choreographer.
0: I know. I hired a choreographer and then full disclosure i feel a little bit like i kind of i think i feel like i copied you guys but you and I'm told sorry. us
2: that no you told us you were like is it okay if i do a dance you literally okay, said that to okay, us okay yeah, yeah oh no wonderful. we were like excited to see it yeah yeah i'm <laughs> all for like dance numbers having nothing to do with the show
0: yeah and, i love that you guys do that yeah i love that
2: it's so it's a good way to get the energy up but you're right it's to listen to it it's like what's happening right i wonder right now <laughs> like, <laughs> right what are they doing <laughs> Yeah, people are like so excited about, but no, I, I agree that there is something less intimate, maybe mm-hmm. about the stage show, but m- something more exciting about, it, just more performative about. Right. It. Yeah.
0: So you do the stage show, and I know you guys are going to London fairly mm-hmm. soon in September. Um, the podcast. There was a television show of yes. throwing shade, and mm-hmm. then you also are in movies and TV. Mm-hmm. Which is there a certain venue that you feel like really appeals to you the most?
2: I think it. I think honestly, and I never really. And I wonder if you feel the same way. I I never really thought that this could even be a career option. Podcasting? Yes. It's my favorite. I I, I like um being myself. I like I like being uncensored and unedited and just allowed to be silly and stupid and come up with my own stuff and own something, sort Mm -hmm. of. And I, I don't every all the other things certainly satisfy me, but I feel like I I that's my favorite thing. And I never would have thought that before because I just didn't think it was a viable
0: Right. Right. You know,
2: you just think of it as a hobby originally.
0: I don't know if I know how you got into entertaining. I know a bit about – you grew up in Texas, very conservative yes. family. When you came out, did not go over well. No, You didn't talk to your parents for a while, right? That's
2: right. And we talk a little bit now, but it's still – everyone's positions are still the same. And, and everything is civil and nice, but, like, nothing's really changed or right. moved, except that we're just like, all right, the standoff didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but – I guess originally I, I was a drama major at NYU. So I got into it there and then did UCB in New York and then moved to LA and did UCB here. And then Aaron and I were hired on that current TV show from a long time ago called mm-hmm. Infomania. Right. Sort of like
0: with Ben point. Hoffman.
2: Ben Hoffman. That's right. Oh, yes. We've talked about that. Yeah. You've not only talked to Ben Hoffman, you've talked to Walker Wheeler.
0: Yes. yes. I've had both of them That's right. as their respective personalities separately on the podcast.
2: He's such a – I haven't talked to him in a minute. Have you talked to him?
0: Uh, I talked to him I near the end of him. last year. He is – I don't know if he's still in L.A., but he was finding a place in L.A. He had relocated to Nashville. Right. Um And then he was getting a place in North Hollywood because he was coming out here to do – an animated show that he had created. And I don't know if he's... He might still be here, actually. He's
2: truly one of the darkest, funniest, most hilarious.
0: Tony, do you know Ben Hoffman slash Wheeler Walker Jr.?
2: I
1: only know... I know of Wheeler Walker Jr. because he was on an episode of Never Not Funny. That's Uh, my only experience.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: So they all... He and Brian and Aaron Mm -hmm. and more people, I'm assuming. Sarah
2: Haskins and um, a guy named Brett Ehrlich.
0: Did a, a show
2: for current tv which was al gore's Mm -hmm. channel way back in the day Uh yeah and um it was sort of like a daily show style thing where we each had a segment and mine was talking about queer issues and aaron's was talking about women's issues in sort of a funny way but they would only let us do like three minutes at a time so Mm -hmm. we would like start stop you know we'd like talk about something but only the broad strokes
0: so you majored in drama at nyu Mm -hmm. how did you like nyu
2: I loved it. It, it definitely, I mean, I like finished paying for it a minute ago, but. <laughs>
0: well, congratulations. <laughs> people ton of loans. never do. Yeah.
2: Um, but it it was sort of the thing where like you got out what you put in and I was such, you know, I, I was such a good student. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good though.
2: I was, I worked so hard. Um, and I actually looking back on it, think I could have chilled out a little more. I think like and this is going to s- sound serious or something, but I think yeah, when you grow up closeted, you just want your parents to like, you just want to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think, or at least for me. And I think that like perfection drove me, drove me, drove me until it just like didn't. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, ah, eh, I don't need to like, I could just do what I think is funny. And not what my parents will think is funny or whatever.
0: Were you, was it comedy that you were drawn to?
2: Not initially. Uh, it was like Sophie's choice that I was <laughs> drawn to. <laughs> like,
0: right. So something espionism. I can't
2: do. Exactly. And like, it was the kind of thing where they would – I remember, like, the theater um, uh, teachers and stuff would would give us scenes to work on. And they would always give me, like, a scene – they gave me a scene from a play called Bent over and over again, which was about a gay man in the Holocaust. And I was like, I am not gay or Jewish. <laughs> uh, but I would be so offended that they were like, oh, my God, they're outing me. They're outing me. And then I would, like, do something like that. And usually we just get a laugh. And I was trying so hard – not to be funny, but that's just something I can't – maybe I don't go deep enough to pull off. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Do you think they were giving you a gay role because they thought you were gay?
2: Yes. Do you think you
0: came off as gay?
2: Yes. I think looking And you back,
0: were
2: gay? Quietly, but yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you were still – were you trying to date women at the time?
2: I think – by college, that had all ended. Especially, I came out my I think my junior year of college, and it had definitely ended before that. I might have gone on a date like freshman year or something, but yeah, it was pretty much, pretty much over. I stopped fooling women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um. So when did you? F- uh, okay, so then you came. You were doing UCB, so you were mm-hmm. you were doing comedy, but you had aspirations to be, do serious.
2: I did, yes, but but then once I started at UCB, it just it was a natural Mm thing. Like I just felt like, oh, there's this is like my tribe. Right, they're doing what I want to do and And, what I think I'm good at.
0: And then you came out to LA. You were doing the current TV thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and when did you and Aaron, and how did you and Aaron decide to start the podcast?
2: Right when the show got canceled, we were we were sort of like. God, this show had – it was a really fun show, but it had like so much oversight and it was so micromanaged. And we were like, I, I still want to talk about these things and we do have s- a small but mighty platform like – and Aaron was like, oh, I have a friend who did a podcast. We should do a podcast. And I was like, great. So we did. And I mean it really was did – you, did you did you go into this knowing that there was going to be a business model for you? like, Or did you – No. Yeah.
0: Actually – the original Alice Mnose and Rose Best friend show started when I was living in Brooklyn, and it was on UStream. So it was a streaming video show, Got three it. hours a week, uh, from my living room, and I called it like a talk show from my living room, right? And so I was messing around with um, with video mostly, yeah. And I was friends with friendly with Doug Benson. I don't know why I, cl- I clarified because I didn't. It wasn't like he and I were like super close, sure. but I knew him, um, and he had Doug Loves Movies. And I remember at the time thinking, I wonder if I should do a podcast instead of this video thing. Um, and then I moved out here and then I was hired on the Adam Carolla show. And then I brought my show back like a year later as a podcast. But I'm trying to think how much I really thought about whether there was a business model for it. I think because I was working for Adam, I realized, oh, you can have ads and you can be right. – you know. But it wasn't – I didn't think like this is going to be the thing that I do.
2: Same. Yeah. I didn't think that like it would turn into something that I could actually – Yeah. Right. You know, like it could be a day job. Yeah. I'm so fortunate. I feel the same way. Yeah. I can't believe that like someone put it to me the other day. They were like, you – oh, I was watching Fran Lebowitz on something and she said – she was talking about – she's so famous for having this like horrible writer's block and now she just goes around doing Q&As at universities and she was like, there is not a luckier job in the world than like being paid to talk. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God – yeah. Yeah. You're right. I feel do you very ever, fortunate. Do you
0: ever worry about it ending? Yes. What are um, your thoughts about that?
2: I think I worry about it less and less now because I think because initially with a partnership, you sort of have your ups and downs. We never really had down downs, mm-hmm. but just you, you sort of wonder if the other person's going to be over it. Right. Like if the other person's going to want to leave it and then. What are you going to do? And blah, 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 blah. And so I feel a little more comfortable with it now because I think Aaron and I both are like, well, yeah, no, we're not going to end it and, unless like something drastic happens with everyone stops listening to it or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. But the thing is, is like I'm happy doing it. It's never a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass up until the minute I get into the studio and then it stops. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, have you guys ever gotten in a big fight?
2: We have, but it wasn't – it was uh, like one and done. Um, and we really are – it really feels like a sibling relationship with her. And I think she'd say the same thing where like if we're frustrated, it we say it immediately. Dude, and oh, then it's great. done. And it took a while to get there. So I think one fight was – and it was – I think my fault was I sort of instigated something that had to do with so many other things. And I hung it on like – it was like a, a, an adjective she used to describe the former editor of the New York Times. And it was – Like she was like, she's so quiche. And I was like, that's really flippant. And she was like, no, it's sort of funny. And I was like, I I won't accept it. (laughs) And she was like, what are you talking about? And it was just, it had to do with so many other things of just stuff piling and piling. And we just sort of were like, they they can't pile anymore. What what does quiche mean? I guess it means like sexy and cool. And she was the first editor of the New York Times who was a woman. And I was like, you're just dismissing her. And she goes, I'm really not. I'm just trying to like make this story light. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I refused. I refuse to let you treat w- women this way, woman. Thank you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. oh, thank you for fighting our fight, Brian. <laughs> exactly. You said that um, you, oh, you're you always like, can I still make her laugh? What are? Is there a specific... How would you describe what it is that makes her laugh?
2: Voices. I mean, it's so Three Stooges. It's the same things that make me laugh. Like, stupid voices. (laughs) Um, Being, honestly, just like sort of being inappropriate about something serious. Like, Mm -hmm. being gross about something. Like, if she's telling a really serious story and a really um, deep story about abortion, I will – try to play the other side of it just for a second just to, to, to try to see what i could do to piss her off so badly that it makes her laugh <laughs> and it's it's fun to know like i still sort of don't know where all the buttons are mm-hmm. which is kind of nice
0: and those are the same things that make you laugh
2: yeah again th- th- nothing makes me laugh harder not that she does it would be so great if she did start doing this nothing makes me laugh harder than someone falling down like <laughs> it, i think i think it probably did eight thousand years ago made right. people die um and so, whenever Aaron does something that is so just hee haw, stupid, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just dumb, Mr. Ed. Like, I love it. Makes I love that up.
0: you both just go for the super silly joke and don't seem this. I hope you take this how it's intended. Don't seem concerned about seeming uncool
2: I, I, at all. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. I think we just sort of – I just feel like I, I, it's, I, we just completely fly with abandon yeah. on that. And I also think it's already – like there's no way I'm going to sound like the smartest person on this issue. I can't even pretend to be the smartest person on this issue. So I'll talk about this issue. I'll pull the quotes that I think are relevant. I'll, ma- I'll frame the story in a way that people can listen to it. But also, I'm sort of a dumb person about this stuff, so I'm just going to double down.
0: I don't think you're dumb. Thank you. Um, What was your experience with the television show like? Uh,
2: I would say I look back on that and not terribly fondly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's when our partnership was really put to the test. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really difficult to keep intimacy and keep things loose um, when other people, People have a a been bigger. People have a different vision for the show.
0: Like are you talking about executives?
2: Yes. And um, not even so much the executives. It was just the person who sort of was in charge of everything. Like it just was, he was lovely, but it it was just, we just wanted different things. I don't think he'd ever heard the podcast. Even Mm. Um, it, it was someone that I don't know that we necessarily wanted. Right. um, And uh, that we were sort of encouraged to, to have. And it just, we just gave in too much Mm -hmm. i think we just gave in and and looking back and like for the future i know what we have and what makes it special and it's not set up punchline set up punchline late night show Mm -hmm. um and i think that was our mistake of just uh, started to feel not like us
0: do you think there is a way there would have been a way to to do it that was true to the podcast vision?
2: Yes, because we tried it a few times, um, which was just, I wouldn't know what Erin would be talking about, and she wouldn't know what I would be mm. talking about, and only the bullet points would be scripted, and that's all that would be in Prompter, and the rest was us doing us. So we weren't scripting the silly moments, because on, on that kind of thing, we could have run long and cut it together, and just... The person in charge just was like, no, I don't like that. I don't like it when you guys do that. I don't get where it's going, blah, 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 blah. It was mm-hmm. just like a battle that like, felt like it just couldn't be won.
0: You said that depression is something you deal with a lot. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, just it's, it's a big thing in my family. Um, anxiety, depression, even schizophrenia. And it's also the kind of thing that I became so aware of it when I was very young. My aunt was... Um, Hospitalized very quick. She was, had total grand illusions of, mm. and it was terrifying. And I think that was the first time that even my mom talked about it. And then my grandparents started talking about their parents and their aunts and uncles. And like you started seeing how deep rooted it was and that no one was discussing it. And so I think I, first of all, was paranoid for a long time that I might have it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw so it was almost like a preemptive strike. I, I do suffer from it, but I am so on top of it. Um, so it's never, it's never been a thing where it's like ever interfered with work for me. Um, it just is one of those things where like, I know all the tricks and I have the toolbox of like,
0: Oh, what are they? Well, just
2: I, I, I don't wait for someone else to reach out. And, And by the way, you should reach out if you're able to, but I reach out. um, I will just straight up t- there are two friends in my life who I tell absolutely everything to every minute of the day. And we just have that sort of banter. And I will just say like, it's not a good day for me and they'll just call and I'll talk for like five minutes and I'll feel better. Um, there are like quick fixes, at least for me. Again, mm-hmm. I suffer from like anxiety and depression to a, a, on a low degree. It's not anything major, but, um, I know where to go to feel better. Um, and I found a psychiatrist and a medication that that I respond to and that I like. um, and I think that's the hardest part of dealing with it mm-hmm. is finding a medication that you like and finding a person you like.
0: Did it take you a few different ones to find the right one?
2: Yes, especially um uh le- the medication I'm on Prozac was the right thing for me. Uh the person took a bit. Mm. And for me what I decided is it was the, the I liked seeing a gay man. Um as a therapist I've seen straight men and I've seen straight women. Um and I just for me, there's just a sort of an experience of things you don't have to explain. Right. You don't have to worry that you might be grossing someone out. <laughs> I mean, just dumb stuff like that, that for for me, it just – that was sort of the winning ticket for me. And also, he's just very good at it. But um, I also notice in my own family, without naming names, that the people who clearly are, are really suffering are the ones who refuse to treat us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's common for a lot of people if it's is it's like these people – only want you to get help. And then you're just like, okay, well, I'm literally, you lead a horse to water. I've made the appointment for you. I'm driving you to the appointment. I'm coming in town so that you go to the appointment and they won't go. And then I don't know. It's just funny how that works that like the people who really don't think they need it. Sometimes are the ones who really, yeah. Don't. yeah.
0: I have wondered about that. Like how much, if you're pushing someone into therapy, how much will they get out of it versus the person nothing. who seeks it themselves? The
2: answer is nothing. Yeah. I've led <laughs> Two horses to water, truly by the reins, and they went once, and then that was it. Right? It just
0: yeah. If they're not ready or they don't think they need it, it's like
2: no, you can't. and they think everything else is wrong with them. Like I have a family member who sees all these different specialists, like cardiologist, mm. neurologist, da 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 da, refuses to see a psychiatrist. And I'm like, well, that's the one thing that everyone has in our family, right? Nope.
0: You said that it was terrifying when your aunt was having delusions. Mm. What do you, how old were you and what was happening?
2: I was probably 12 and, um, she was sort of checking IDs to see who you were. Um, celebrating Christmas at really odd times of the year, uh, shoplifting. And it sort of all just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, it was like a break, like a schizophrenic break. Yes. And, uh, it. I. It, she was also like going through a divorce and it happened. I think it's, I can't remember the age range. This usually happens. And I think it's like early thirties that if something like that's going to happen, that's generally when it right. happens. And it was just a, a total break from reality, mm. um, that on medication, um, she's, she's good, but it's affected her. Um, but often it's like, it comes like back, like a fever like that. To where she's seeing things, talking to things, all that.
0: On medication, is she? Um like does she seem like herself?
2: Yes, but a, a drug version? Yeah. Yeah. Slower. Right. Um a little little cloudier, a little fuzzier. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also part of the problem is who wants to feel like that. Right. Do you know what right. I mean? You don't really want to feel either way in a, in an extreme situation like that. Yeah. Um. Mine is really to take the edge off and reduce the anxiety. Uh. Hers. I. Yeah. I mean. It's. I. I understand why it's hard for people to stay on medication. I understand why people don't like how it makes them feel. But the
0: thing that's so insidious about all of it is that I think that mental illness tells you you don't need to be medicated,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but also. There are some people who don't need to be medicated. So I don't Absolutely. know. Like I'm on Lexapro
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and I it's sort of like classic textbook or is it? I began to feel better and I'm like, I don't think I need it anymore.
2: I'm actually there right now. Okay. Where I'm like, I know this one's my family, all this. And I'm like, honestly, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I think I don't need to do this. And my psychiatrist was like, that's fine. We can just – we can start tapering off if you want. And then I'm like, but do I? Oh, God. What? Right. I don't know what the right word <laughs> that's is. That's
0: like, who's telling me that?
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. But however, many people only use them temporarily. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, so then um, I knew I, I was going to try to get pregnant with my second kid. And I – everyone in my life was like, you should stay on it. Uh and it's okay to stay on it but i was like, but, I, but, but if there's even a chance that it could affect the baby um and there's like you know the it's it's safe but there's always like a tiny chance of sure. these things that aren't even that bad but i'm like i don't if i can be pure <laughs> then why would i not you know i'm going to try i don't th- and so then i started uh stepping i was never on a big dose but i started going all you know all the way down to the point where I was at 2.5, which is – it's like a – that's the dose they start you on. Okay. Um, and at that point, I started feeling anxious and depressed again. And I didn't know, is this the un- – is this who I am without it or is this withdrawal? I know. And I just – I was like, I don't care to find out anymore. And so I never went all the way off of it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like fine and good now. Um, but my experience of trying to get off of it was so unpleasant that I'm like, now I don't, I'm like, maybe I'll just stay on it forever. It is I don't sort know. of
2: confusing because it is, I think naturally some of the side effects are that you would feel that way coming off a of medication, right, right? but it just feels so terrible that like, yeah. I don't know. It's a horrible feeling. It is. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's confusing.
0: Yeah. 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 I, that's all these all these sort of things that you can't measure that are psychological are it's hard to it's hard to know what's what. Yeah, that
2: was the most articulate thing I've ever said. And it's hard to stay in the game of it in terms of like if a medication isn't working, it is exhausting.
0: Yeah, and takes and you a lot
2: of time. Right, and you, to you don't know. Yes, yeah. yes,
0: yes. At one point, I was going to switch because because I kept like I, I would. I would feel good and then it would sort of start to not really work again. And so then I'd go up a little bit and then my psychiatrist was like, if this was the right medication, you wouldn't have to keep escalating the dose. Um, And so then it was like, let's switch, but let's wait you know, for all these trying to get pregnant reasons, like I was waiting and then I never switched because at a certain dose, like a small, and it wasn't as high as I was at one point at a smaller dose. I was feeling pretty, like I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm yeah. sure I could make maybe feel better, but I feel pretty good and I don't want to go through the hassle. Yeah. So I don't know. Tony's been in it, I've been through this ringer.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. That, that is like one of the most frustrating parts is sometimes getting on something new and you just want help and you, it's hard to stay patient with it. And then they put you on something and it's like, Oh yeah, it's going to take like six weeks. Six before- weeks. Yeah. yeah. It's so I mean, it's a lot to ask of a person. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So switching is like, yeah, it's like, Oh, I tried this. I gave it all this time and now it's not really working. So now I got to do that again and wait another six weeks. And I yeah. know
2: not fun. Allison, I love your show. I have to tell you. Th-
0: I love, thank you.
2: you. I was just thinking like, I was like, God, she's like, a Howard Stern type or something where like you, you just get things out of people Oh, and I don't regret, you know, it's not like I'm regretting anything, but it's just like, it's so easy to talk to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so the first time I had you on the show, you talked about the fact that your parents, when you came out, I think they say like we'd rather you had lung cancer. Lung cancer. Yeah. It's it's, (laughs) it's such a specific cancer that they, they wished upon you. It
2: is. It is. Yeah. They, um, it was my mom specifically who said that. My dad didn't say that. Uh, but yeah, they uh, they were just... I think part of it is obviously the power of being an evangelical Christian is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is just something that you can't... Not that there's anything wrong with being an evangelical. It just is a set of rules that you can't penetrate. Right. And so there's no getting around it. Right. Um, and uh, And also I think part of it was like Listen, I mean, like we were just like coming out of AIDS. I think like part of it was like you're going to have a horrible life mm-hmm. and maybe not a long one. I mean, I really think they were thinking about these things, and also I think they were embarrassed. Right. Um, I think it was a mixture of concern, embarrassment, and religion.
0: And you said though that you had worked through it, like it didn't still bother you.
2: Yeah, which I think is can't be true. I, I think like you're never if I'd really worked through it I wouldn't still want a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um and we wouldn't be talking. But um the truth is I don't know uh, how much I want them in my life but mm. it doesn't it just doesn't feel right to not have them in it. Right. That didn't feel any better. Mm-hmm. I've and and I would be lying if I said I like didn't h- wish and hope that at some point it would be accepted. But You know, it is, it's the, you know, it's the great sorrow of my life for sure. Yeah.
0: When you are with them, is it like just a thing you don't, that doesn't get talked about?
2: Mostly. And so I have to be pretty proactive about saying stuff. Like I'll say stuff like, oh, well, I mean, this was sort of crappy. My (laughs) mom visited me recently and I put out some things that, Um, so I'm divorced. My Derek and I were married for a year. We're still very good friends, but I had put out a couple of gifts that people had gotten us just to see if she'd ask about Mm -hmm. them just so I could talk about him. (laughs) And she did. And I did. How'd it go? Fine. I mean, she didn't make a face or shut down. She had no follow up questions, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was, you know, I, I was comfortable talking to her and I don't even actually, I don't know how comfortable I was talking to her. It was really almost like I was daring myself. It was just like, just, talk about your life as it is right good yeah good and she handled it um which you know is as much I think as I can ask for right now
0: what were the gifts
2: uh two tumblers like two um you know glasses and then uh that were really nice and then like a decanter mm-hmm. like I basically put out the bar but like <laughs> put that stuff out front and center and then like I think poured us each a drink in one of those glasses and it was just like ask about him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that was from We Got Married at the courthouse. Did you know it was at a courthouse? Oh, it was. And um, actually, you know who got us that was uh, my brother got us this and my sister got us this. And your friend Carol actually sent this out of nowhere. And like, my mom was like, oh, that's nice. And she was a little uncomfortable, but I was sort of just like, not to be shitty. Maybe it was shitty, but just sort of like sit in it for a minute. Just like, let me talk about it. Yeah. I
0: don't think that's shitty. No, I didn't. I mean. I really the, didn't mean yeah, it I to be at the time. Yeah. I don't think it's shitty at all. I think... What human being doesn't want their parents to be okay with them? Yeah. Um, another thing you said we were talking about childhoods, and we were talking about um, about like moms of that generation, and you said that you said like a lot of gay boys. I think I really felt for my mom.
2: Yes, and I still do
0: can you and it was interesting because i know exactly what you mean mm-hmm. but um i don't know that i as a straight person would feel like it's okay for me to make that generalization
2: right no i know what you, i see what you're saying i think for me um and i think maybe this is something that's always bonded specifically gay men with women is that you know women of of that generation especially were really caught between a rock and a hard place like it's almost like they had seen What their mothers had gone through, which was not really having many rights. Um, And then they had also seen people starting to take off their bras. And I think my mom, especially growing up in Texas, sort of saw the future and also saw the past and was like, what do I do with it? Mm -hmm. Um, I think if she had to live her life over again, she would have made some very different decisions and maybe some more autonomous ones than what was expected of her as a – you know texas woman in her 20s who was probably encouraged to stay at home Mm -hmm.
0: um i found it i found it because i wrote it it down you said like a lot of gay guys i grew up feeling for my mom yes what do you think it is about being gay that um makes you more tuned in i think it's the same
2: thing with like why gay people appreciate judy garland or something is that (laughs) really is you have someone who is marginalized and who is not the breadwinner And who doesn't get the last word. Mm -hmm. My mom's a strong person, but, um, you know, my dad was the one with the money and there's power in that. And Judy Garland example, I think you saw this sort of small person with this great voice and this huge talent. And you feel like that Mm. you feel like something's undiscovered about you and that like, you can't let it all out. And, I think I always felt that for my mom of, of just sort of like if it had all been up to you, it would have been different and mm-hmm. you would have cho- – My mom is a very happy, foolish life, I think. But like I, I was saying to my psychiatrist the other day, I go after my mom left town, I was like, it's such a tough call for me because I always am in conflict with what the healthy thing is and what the right thing is when mm-hmm. it comes to my mother. And he was like, what do you mean? And I say, well, for me, the right thing is because I see my mom – melancholy that her children have left and all this. And I feel badly for her. And we probably have not the greatest relationship of the three siblings. I wish I could have said to her, I want you to move in. I will take care of you. I will make it all. You know what I mean? Like I, you will have such a great life with me. That's all I want to happen, but I know that's not the healthy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there is a thing of, and also like my mom, a lot of times felt like an enemy, but she was also a protector more than my dad was. Mm -hmm. I think women generally, are better to their children than men are. That is a huge general, but I I think think for the time, especially. Yes. Yeah. I think it's only, I think it's a new phenomenon in the past 10, 20 years that men are nurturing Mm -hmm. with their children. I mean, it's and not stigmatized for it. Right. Yeah.
0: What was your dad like?
2: Uh, I mean, just worked all the time and, um, very, very nice person, very nice person, but very, very religious. And, um, you know, is came from a, a family where masculinity was everything. He's Syrian, and that that is a big, big deal. And it's um being a man, being the breadwinner, be, doing all that stuff is is a big. You know, he's a hunter. He just is. He's a Texan Syrian, mm-hmm. and it's it's just a combination of old world, uh, um, uh, Syrian sort of mentality with very old old world, and and also just the Texas thing of what a man is. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of toxic masculinity, even though he doesn't really express that. He's actually very lovely, chill kind of guy, but, um, but firm, you know, right. Yeah.
0: Did your parents know Derek?
2: No, and never wanted to meet him, which was rough, but they didn't, they didn't know. They knew that I was with someone named Derek. They knew that I was living with someone named Derek. They knew what I was, that I was married to someone named Derek. They knew that I was divorced from someone named Derek. Um, My mom asked about him for the first time on this trip Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
2: but but that was it
0: how long had you guys been together
2: we were together five years and married one
0: (laughs) and you had a dog sherman we did sherman is lives with derek right sherman lives
2: with derek they moved to philadelphia um i'm actually going there again at the end of the month because when derek leaves town he'll call me first and be like do you want to come stay with the dog do you have time do you have time off if not i can get someone to watch the dog or whatever but um so i'm going again at the end of the month which is great and honestly like uh, I don't know. It's been so nice to like see each other. I don't even mean literally, but just to be there for each other through the divorce because Mm -hmm. his family is less extreme, but the same thing. I never met them.
0: Oh, wow. Um,
2: And we were really there for each other through the, through the whole thing. Like it Mm -hmm. was, it definitely felt like we were on each other's teams and that has now manifested into like that heartbreak turned into like a great friendship.
0: That's so great. Like
2: really. And truly.
0: Um, what happened
2: between us? Yeah. Um, I don't really know. I think we became good friends who stopped having sex. Um and then I think I was really always trying to be like it was around the time of the TV show. I had I was investing nothing in the relationship and I was completely selfish when I got home and it was over and over and over again. We went to counseling mm-hmm. and anyone who goes to marriage counseling ends up getting divorced. Is that true? I think it is. I think it is. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, It would have been bad if we'd stayed together. That would Uh. have been bad. But in that process, it was like, I remember he said it and I was distraught. And then like the next week I said it and I was like, yeah, you're right. What, What did he say? He said – I can't remember the exact words, but he said something – I can't I, – I before we went to the counseling, he said, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge wake-up call because he never talked like that. Mm-hmm. There were never any threats of anything – of the relationship ending. And I panicked, made it all about me, took up all the space in the room, changed nothing except <laughs> cried more. Mm-hmm. That was sort of it. And then I said, can we please go to counseling and figure this out? And he said, yes. And we treated it – it was clear after the first session or two, we really treated it more as uh, – when you don't have a – we really treated it more as mediation mm. of like who's getting what, how are we handling this? And we would only talk about the breakup and divorce and logistics in the session. Uh-huh. We could not do it at home because we were still living together, right. which was actually a great rule. Um, but but yeah, so then we sort of – and the counseling was sort of – I don't want to say kiss of death because it ultimately was a good thing, but that that is – you just realize you want you you're saying it out loud
0: so was there any effort in the counseling to uh have a reconciliation or suggestion from the i've I never i've actually never yeah. been to couples counseling so i don't know how much of a role they take in it like yeah were they tr- trying to keep you guys together
2: i think once in one session Derek said that he didn't see us together and then in the next session I said he might have really been like, Well, next week let's hear Brian's side. I think that's how, even how it went. It was like we were hearing Derek the first session, we were hearing me the second session. And by the time we got to the second session, I was sort of like, Yeah, I think you're right. I don't I don't think this is good. Um and I think that Did only- you
0: really think that?
2: I think I did. I think like it was so funny hearing I'll tell you, it's so funny hearing someone say it to a counselor or to someone else because you're really listening mm-hmm. and you're not You know you can't be – I mean you can be, but you can't walk out of the room right? and you can't be emotional. And also the person who's talking is saying your words so carefully. Mm -hmm. They don't want to offend you. They don't want to make anyone upset that you really hear it. I think I really heard it. And yeah, I mean I was sort of just deluded into what I thought was a solid thing. Um, And then when I really looked at it, it was like, oh, well, no, I've done nothing to help us out. And you know. I love you as a friend. And I think the thing I'm most sad about is the thing I was really the most sad about honestly was I do think part of me got married for my parents like to be like look how legitimate I am mm-hmm. now and he was certainly a guy you could take home to meet your mom. He right. just was a lawyer and he was just all those things that like and I I think part of me thought that would make a difference and it didn't. Mm. Yeah.
0: What would he say is what happened.
2: It's a good question. Um I think he would say we hadn't had net sex in a very long time. Um and I think he would say that um I never wanted to do anything with him. I never asked him anything. Um and that I just didn't make any room. I think I think that was the case. I uh and that I would kiss the dog goodbye for work but not Derek. Mm-hmm. Like it was just There was never, what's crazy, also what's crazy, our entire relationship, we never had one fight. And now I realize that's totally unhealthy Mm -hmm. or just a sign that maybe you're just friends. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like we, I just remember thinking like we've never gotten in a fight to get into a fight requires some kind of passion. It's just, we didn't, we never fought Mm -hmm. and looking back on it, it's like, yeah, that was kind of strange. We were just, we just hit it off as friends, I think. Right. Yeah.
0: But was there romance for a period of time?
2: there was but it was just too brief like the first like for me the first couple of years i guess i would say by year 3 almost all of that was out the window mm-hmm. and we were having sex very irregularly and then by the time we broke up i think it had been over a year yeah of just like not only were we not having sex we were like i don't even know like we whatever those I don't know. Isn't there a character in Game of Thrones who doesn't have a? We were just like, oh, yes. we were units. Is it Varys?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stopped like we watching eunuchs. that show a while ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so how long ago was that?
2: The divorce was only final a couple months ago, but we he moved out about like a a year and a half ago, maybe a little more than that. Yeah. So how are
0: you feeling about all of that now?
2: Pretty good. Um, I feel good knowing, you know what you do? You go through that thing because I do think I was a little bit of a bad guy in this situation and that not deliberately, but I think I was selfish. I think I took up a lot of space. Um, I'm just glad that I didn't really, and it's a selfish thing to think actually. Hm. I'm just so glad I didn't really hurt him. Um, cause that would have killed me cause he's a good guy. I'm just so glad because you think like (sighs) that was it. He's never going to find anyone else. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) which is so crazy Is everything going for him, but he is dating someone. We do talk about it. And it's it's no big deal. I don't at all. Good. Not at all. I'm I'm, honestly, I feel relief. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because then it's like, Oh, you didn't ruin him. Maybe
2: you're not so terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. About myself.
0: Right. Um, changing subjects you just did a movie in mexico yeah what, how was that and what movie was so it?
2: fun it's called desperados it'll be on netflix and uh it's lauren palmagino she goes by lp who directed it and i know her from like the funnier die days and it's um Nassim pedrad and anna camp and sarah burns who play three women who one of them meets like the guy of her dreams and they're going on dates and they're about to be engaged. And then he just ghosts her. And she and her friends send this horrific email to him just saying everything they've ever wanted to say about <laughs> stuff like this, blah, blah, blah. He ends up in like a coma in a hospital in Mexico. And so they make a road trip to go down. And he doesn't have his phone. So they literally make a road trip to go down to the resort, break into his hotel room and get the phone and like erase the email. <laughs> and I just am some idiot at staying at the resort who like hits on them. Was it fun? So fun. Love playing a dirtbag.
0: Do you um, – most of the roles do you audition for or do you get offered stuff?
2: This one was an offer because I knew her so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but other stuff like for 911 and stuff like that, it was yeah, it was an audition. Right. Yeah. Did so you, it's both.
0: Did you do something with Mariah Carey?
2: I did. What was it? I did a couple things with her where we did like a, a cooking show for Funny or Die. It was like two Funny or Die videos and it was called – Cooking with Mariah Carey and also with Brian. <laughs> and we should, it was so wild. I mean, it, it, it was just the two of us pretending to know how to cook. And I had so much fun with her. She was so funny and so charming and the best lighting. Like, truly. She just would, like, make you look great. I, I, it was really fun. Why? It was wild.
0: So like, she, And it was improv.
2: So we were just improvising with her.
0: That's crazy. And she just, crazy. like, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So she make sure that there's really good lighting yes like special mariah carey lighting
2: yes and you just kind of sneak into it She <laughs> just look like like it's facetuned which is great and she's gorgeous in person but like the lighting's key does she have her own person for that or yes no okay there is someone specific for that and they're sort of and they don't really light you so it's yeah. up to you to sort of like get into her light because it's so much better than yours
0: how did you get that gig
2: I've always been like a diehard Mariah fan. And this was in the when I used to work at Funny or Die and everyone at Funny or Die knew that. And she came in and Mike Farah, who ran Funny or Die, was like, it'd be funny to just see like Mariah and Brian in a room. And I was like, oh god, oh my God, I don't think I could <laughs> handle it. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went to Vegas. This is when she's doing her residency and we shot it in her dressing room, which is like, you know, a four bedroom apartment, <laughs> uh, right backstage at Caesars. and And she was fabulous. She was great.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. Trying to think if I had a ton of money, if I would have my own lighting person, <laughs> that wouldn't be like the first thing I would do.
2: I think I would have a full time masseuse. Would you? That'd be my first thing. What about you?
0: Um I would have a driver,
2: probably. Actually, yeah, that's a good one. Because I
0: get stressed out by driving and parking. Although now with Lyft, it's pretty easy. That's true. But um, I think it'd be I think it'd be nice to have. To be you do you lift around. a lot. Like,
2: do you do you use not rideshare? I
0: don't go out a lot. Yeah, me neither. I never. Do. <laughs> but if I yeah. do, and I'm worried about parking, I will. Mm-hmm. But I don't go. I don't regularly audition for stuff anymore. But back when I did, the whole driving to and fro was always a source of stress, especially if it was a hot day, which it always is in LA. Yeah. And you have to park a few blocks away, and I Ugh. always worry that, like, I'm in makeup, and what if I get sweaty by the time I'm there? And now I feel like auditioning in the days of Lyft, it must be so nice or I so know. much better.
2: Yeah, for sure. Cause you could just yeah. like hop into that AC and get dropped off right in front. So you get a full-time masseuse. What else? I would do a full-time masseuse. I would definitely get a driver and I would probably only because it just, honestly, I would also get a lighting person and a makeup person. Yeah. <laughs> if I could have it all. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think hair and makeup. to do that. I wouldn't get a trainer. Okay, I've
2: had them before. I think they're not generally mostly crazy, <laughs> and I don't need it. I mean, I, I don't need had, it in my life. I've
0: I mean. only I've had one once for a period of time. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing Daniel and I both went to him, and periodically we'll look at each other and be like, "Isn't it weird that we did that?" Yeah, because yeah, it did. Like, have I'm trying to be I'm trying to be diplomatic. I don't think he listens, but like he's sort of a lot. A lot of podcasters went to him right. or go to him. He's he's around. Um, yeah, it was like, it was a, it wasn't like an easy dismount. (laughs) It was sort of a dramatic. Yes. So, okay. What is the, what has been your
2: experience? Dramatic. I mean, it's been. Me scheming and lying <laughs> to get out of it, making things up to just like not be in a relationship with this person any longer, yes. and it just was so stressful. Yeah, and they they make themselves such an intimate part of your mm-hmm. life, and obviously you you know are responsible for that too. But right. it just got to a point but where I it was like, in. I can't take, and I felt held hostage. Like he would say things like, so. T- hypothetically, just like explain and defend trans people to me. And I was like, I can't be here. I don't, <laughs> oh know. My God. I don't know who you are all of a sudden. and like, I, I, I can't do this. I can't. And I was just, and I would tell Erin about it. She's like, well, you can't see that person. I go, you don't understand. There's no getting out. Right. <laughs> just, I don't know what that is.
0: Okay. So maybe that's the norm then, because I was like, are you our f- Are you someone I hire, or are you my friend, or are you a therapist with no boundaries?
2: Yes. He'd always want to go get drinks after (laughs) working out and stuff. And I was just like, this is, I don't do this with anybody. And I don't know. It just, he was becoming like a friend and also part of its life coaching anyway. Yes, yes. And so they, you sort of feel intimate in that way. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, I'll never do it again. I really, it was, it really took a toll (laughs) on me.
0: Right. <laughs> have you ever had a, tra- a trainer Tony?
2: Uh kind of
1: when uh when on tour uh our <laughs> this was probably when I was at my largest weight mm. uh and but also some of the other guys in the band were kind of struggling the same way and our manager tried to uh have <laughs> us all have a trainer out with us for a while and I did it for a little bit and then uh after a while i was like well first i hated it anyways but then it got to a point i was like i'm going and working out and then have to go play Play a long show for yeah an hour or whatever i I feel like garbage like i i'm like the show i feel like i know the goal is good here but the show is suffering because i have no energy for a show now
0: so wait was your manager like you guys are getting chunky here's a
1: some yeah, dude, kind of, I, I'm, yeah, more or less. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> maybe in nicer words. Yeah,
0: right. Wow.
2: I know. I've never been. I hear stories from like other actors and stuff. How there, there's that. I would love to be in a room for that horribly awkward conversation when a producer or something is like, "So your idea completely." you do want to get a trade. You know what I mean? They just, it's just like such a crazy thing. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that again.
0: Uh, So we have a segment on this show called, Hey, go fuck yourself. Oh, play, play the drop now so they can get a taste of what they're going to hear. Hey,
1: hey, go fuck yourself.
0: Where we tell people who need to go fuck themselves that they can go fuck themselves. I haven't done it in a long time. I guess I just haven't been that angry. Uh, However, Brian and I both have them. Uh, mine is silly and I'll go first. Uh, Mucinex, you can go fuck yourself and here's exactly why. Uh, I used to have these Mucinex tablets that were, uh, 600 milligrams of guifinescent. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I I don't know what it is. But anyway, I would take two of them and then I was looking on Amazon and I saw that they have... Uh, like Mucinex Extreme 1200. I was like, oh, well, then I can just take one. So I ordered them. It is a humongous pill that's like twice the size of the 600. And I feel like, no, it needs to be more concentrated. It needs to be roughly the same size pill with double the amount. Because if it's the exact same thing just mushed into one pill, that's – I feel like I got taken – Mucinax, go fuck yourself Hey, hey, hey hey, go Go fuck yourself Glad I got that off my chest. <laughs>
2: right. I would like to tell bar directors to go fuck themselves. And if you don't know what a bar director is, I, I just don't. found out. So if you go to a restaurant and they have a cocktail list, there's a bar director who's put this list together. I just wanted essentially the margarita that was on the cocktail thing. And I, they put egg whites in and I was like, can I get it without egg whites? The waiter rolled his eyes in the back of his head and he was <laughs> like, no, you can't. And I go, well, then can I just get a margarita? And he was like, no. And I go, okay, can I just get a tequila with lime juice? And he was like, I know what you're doing. And like went and got the drink. And then the manager brought the drinks over just randomly. He was like, here you go, enjoy your drinks. I go, I have to be honest with you. That was really aggressive. I tried – ordering a drink and they just wouldn't make it and he was like oh what did you want to order?" I go this without the egg whites And he was like well we're not gonna do that and he was like the bar director would never do that what? and I go what is this term? <laughs> what's a bar director <laughs> we're in a restaurant like you can't leave out an ingredient and, I, and I'm not even the kind of person who's like uh can you pick this out for me it's just like no you're making a drink just skip that ingredient Yeah, and also just like oh bar directors go fuck yourself hey hey Hey, go fuck
0: yourself. I'm 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 flabbergasted. It was flabbergasted. On your behalf A lot so many questions. Yeah. Was this a place that was known for their bar?
2: I don't know. Do you know
0: are you going out of your way to not say the name of the Oh place? no, it's
2: called the Wallace. It's in Culver City. Go fuck yourself. Yeah.
0: Wallace, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah.
2: They were, hey, they could not treat hey, me worse. Hey, go fuck yourself. They were so rude and made me th- and it, the. And the manager there kept talking over me when I was just like, I know, I just want it without egg whites. And he kept teaching me how, like, he was saying how dumb I was for making a request like that. And finally, I just got up and I was, just, I, not aggressively, but I was just like, I think we're going to go. I feel really uncomfortable now. And he was like, do whatever you want. What a. Dick. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. So instead we went to Akasha, also in Culver City. Shout out to Akasha. They were wonderful. but It was a horrible experience. I,
0: the part that is amusing to me is it's like you stepped into an alternate reality where everyone wants egg whites in their margarita.
2: Yeah, exactly. And also, you, I mean, in this way, maybe it was sort of like a restaurant bar, I would call it. Like food was the focus, but they definitely had a bar. But like, you also have a TV in here. So (laughs) what are you talking to me about? Egg whites in my drink. (laughs) Did
0: he say why you should want it? Like, what does it mean? He essentially
2: said that he said it it was just the way the bar director had designed it Mm, and that I didn't know what I was doing. And I've had egg whites and drinks before. I don't like it.
0: Right. What does it do? Does it? It does emulsify? sort of like.
2: Yeah, it almost like is like a. Yes, foamy? a binder mm-hmm. and like a. It almost adds as like a little foamy meringue or something on it. I yeah. get it. People like it, but, but I just didn't want it.
0: I feel like you should be able to ask for it without, especially yeah. something that's like a pretty standard drink that normally doesn't have it in it. Oh,
2: Allison, I'm so glad you did this second <laughs> because I'd forgotten about it yeah. and it just happened on Saturday. So I'm, I'm like, sorry. amped.
0: Yeah. Uh, Brian Sophie, it was so nice having you on the show.
2: I love you so much. I love you. have to come you back on. We have, I would we have love to figure to. It out to where you come back on. I okay, would love good. to.
0: Okay, I would good. love to do that. Um, so, we have some questions from listeners. I'm going to do those in a special Patreon segment oh, great. after this show. Uh, but tell everyone where to go to find you.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, Throwing Shade the podcast comes out every Thursday. Um, you can follow that at Throwing Shade uh, or you can follow me at Brian Safi. It's B-R-Y-A-N-S-A-F-I on everything.
0: And uh, check out – if you want more show, go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Alison Rosen is where you go for all of that stuff and listen to this podcast and rate and review and tell your friends and download and all those things you do with podcasts. I also have another podcast that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons called Childish. Check out that one. And go to AlisonRosen.com and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Rosen. Tony, where would we find you?
1: I'm at Tony Taxton on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for doing the show, Brian. And listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye.
2: Hey, do you know
0: about the Allison
2: Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.